0: You are listening to The Chasing PR's podcast, and today we have for you our top tips for back-of-the-pack runners. We're going to talk about how to set up realistic goals and how to pick your lowest hanging fruit to improve as a runner. It's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned.
1: Hi. We are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre, and with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. I'm Rochelle. And we are happy as always to be back.
1: In oh, the snow. In the today. snow. It's crazy. Driving in the snow.
0: Yeah. I took a picture outside of my house with a colorful tree with snow. It looks really interesting. Yeah. Because usually when we have snow, everything is dead
1: Yeah. Last week I ran in shorts and a t shirt, and today yeah, we I sent like Emily 18 to school full-on winter clothes. Yeah. It yeah. Was, I think everyone,
0: at least I at the, my kids' school and us were all late to school today because it's, where are the snow pants? I know. Where are the gloves? We need to take the snow out of the car. It was a really complicated yeah. morning.
1: I thought Emily's winter boots would still fit her. They don't. So then I was running around the house trying to find like these rain boots that have fleece lining in them. Yeah. Anyway, so I need to go shopping after work today <laughs> and get her some boots.
0: Uh, yeah, it got yeah. us out of surprises. We were at 18 degrees like four days ago. Yeah. And today we are like. One,
1: three two three. degrees is maybe yeah. the high or something like that. Yeah, yeah. winters winters here.
0: Winters here. Uh, we have a very interesting episode about winter running from last year. If you want to go see it, watch yeah. it. We see it. That will be awesome. Uh, you want? Uh, I, and I said, watch it. Listen to it. If you We see-
1: could start a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: if you want to listen to it, it's interesting. We talk about jackets and snow pants, snow, running pants and shoes. And yeah, I think it's the right time to go shopping for a winter running.
1: I think there's a lot of runners that just assume once winter comes, you you just stop running or you go on the treadmill. And I get runners in the clinic who are surprised to hear I run all year round. And then usually it's just the gear. which Yeah, we'll talk it's, about it's that all,
0: right, all about the right gear. Yeah. Um. So today we're talking about back of the pack runners. Yeah. Right. No we, slow runners. No. Because... Yeah, we
1: won't use the word slow. Because the slow
0: is relative, right? There is a point when I, be, I truly believe you're a slow runner, but it, there's nothing wrong to be a slow runner. But we are going to talk about how you can maximize or how you can make the most out of being a back-of-the-pack runner, and if you want to improve, some tips to help you become fatter yeah. than you are right now. Um, but let's start, as always, talking about our last week of training, because I think it's really interesting that people see how we approach running. Uh, so, how was your last week of training?
1: I started running again. So, after, I took
0: after two two, two weeks, weeks
1: and two days off okay. after Chicago. Although, I did do a 15K hike in the middle there. So, not totally off, I guess. Um, two weeks um, off. And then I started back with a 6K and then an 8K. And then I did another 6K. And then I did 10 yesterday. Okay. I was going to do the cookie run. And I woke up Saturday morning. And I just had, this, I had a headache and my low back has been giving me some issues. I don't know if it's all the sitting I did, like to Chicago, back to friend, renting the car back. Yeah, you're like, not used lot. to being
0: seated that much. No,
1: it was so much sitting and not being as active because I really did very little for two weeks. But it was, if anyone's ever had this, they'll know what I'm talking about. It was more like a nervy pain, not down my legs, but if I looked down, like bent my neck and looked down my low back hurt. So there was okay. some like neural tension there. And it was so annoying. So I took Friday and Saturday off and I didn't go to the cookie run for that reason. And I had a headache and I was just thinking, I can't do everything. I can't do it all. So I'm going to have to miss this race. And then yesterday I didn't feel any better. And I was like, screw this. I'm going for a run because I don't think it's a running injury. It's unrelated to running. And I was like, I'm just going to go do 2K. And if it feels good, I'll keep going. So I did 10.
0: And, and today it feels
1: way better. Like so much looser, I don't feel it really at all. So sometimes running can help with injuries.
0: Yeah, and if you don't test it, you don't know if it's gonna improve or no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think
0: we get so scared about injuries that we don't run for at all. Yeah. I've I've experienced this a lot. That okay, no, something is hurting, and you stop for two weeks. You go for a run, and it's still hurting. And like, okay, I just uh, how can I say? Two weeks went to waste. Yeah. Right? There's no 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 good at
1: Yeah, it's not often that you need to stop running for a long period of time, but a little bit of running and like I kept it slow. Yeah. I picked a flat route. I stayed close to home. So if my back didn't feel good, I could just abort the mission. But it felt good.
0: Cool. And yeah. what's your that this is part of your plan of getting back and building your mileage to start training yeah. for Boston?
1: Yeah, I'm being a little bit more easy on myself, I guess, than the transition from Cornwall to Chicago, but I have more time too. Yeah. Um, so I'm not trying to dive right back into 50 kilometer weeks. So I'm gonna do a few weeks. I did 30 last week and I'll do 40 this week and I'll probably stay at 40, 45 for a couple of weeks because I want to strength train three days a week. Okay. So I don't want to be doing that plus like 50, 60 kilometer weeks. And my goal is by uh January to be back up to 60. Okay. And then start from there. So I'm gonna to try to Ease into things a bit better than I did in the spring.
0: So your goal is to start your Boston training at 60 kilometers per week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds interesting.
1: So we'll see. I started my training for Chicago. My goal is to start at 70. Yeah. And then that kind of didn't work because I injured my hamstring and then was hiking and canoeing and doing all these things. So it'll be a little bit lower, but I'm switching and trying to have instead of crazy high volume. For me, 100 is really high. Yeah. I want to have more of a strength focus, especially with Boston being so hilly. Okay. So my goal is to still get up to like 80 to 90 K per week during the build, but not a hundred. And I'm going to really focus on strength. Yeah.
0: I like yeah. it. I think if you're at, at 80, 90 kilometers per week, you can still improve and improve. There's going to be a point where you need more mileage, but I think at your point, <laughs> yeah, you still have a lot of growth in that range of, of mileage. For yeah. Sure.
1: And I think it's my way of Like usually I tell people not to do three marathons in a row like I'm doing. Like I did St. Lawrence and then I did Chicago and now I'm doing Boston. It's not great to be just doing marathon after marathon after marathon. It's good to switch things up and change things. So this is kind of my way of like mixing things up a little bit. I'll focus more on strength and not be as obsessed with volume.
0: Yeah, and you will learn how to improve for your next build. Because if you are doing the same thing all the time, it's really hard to know what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Right. Awesome.
1: And I feel like my hamstrings need some solid strength training. Okay. Yeah. That's a weak spot.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. But I never have enough. <laughs> I never make the time to do a solid strength That's the track.
1: hard thing with a marathon after marathon. You don't have time, right? Yeah. Like you just, there's no time. But after New York, then you should have time because then you don't have a big, you're not doing Boston. No. Yeah. 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 So then there's no excuses. I'll hand you later. <laughs> I'll give you two weeks to recover from New York and then I'll start harassing you for your strength training.
0: <laughs> I like it. You know, it's been in the back of my mind this, I think we talked about it, I don't know if you remember, a, a lot of months ago, this like thousand pounds three-hour marathon challenge. That is oh, not, yeah. It's not like an official challenge, yeah. but it's something on, I read on Reddit. Uh, I remember you telling that Ryan Hall will probably be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been in the back of my mind. So I will probably yeah. start just lifting. It's going to take a few years to be able to lift a thousand pounds yeah but if i can maintain my running fitness and start going stronger and stronger and stronger maybe
1: so so for those who didn't listen to that podcast episode explain that because i i picture people picturing you deadlifting a thousand pounds right
0: no yeah you need to (laughs) that's true it it might take
1: more than a few years to do
0: yeah i don't think anyone does eh? um (laughs) yeah I think there's a guy that can deadlift a 1,000 pounds. I'm going to Google
1: it. uh, While you're explaining what it is, I'm going to Google it. (laughs) No, the goal
0: is that you squat, deadlift, and bench press in total a 1,000 pounds. Yes. Uh, Obviously, you deadlift the most amount of weight, then you squat, and then you bench press that many. I I think the bench press is going to be my biggest hurdle because Mm -hmm. I'm super weak. (laughs) And on my open Probably body. the most
1: important one for runners because it's all posterior chain. Yeah. Right. It's bench being... press. Oh, you said bench press. Yeah. I heard. De- I don't know why I heard deadlift. No. Bench, bench press. press. Yeah. No, I think not the most important one for no. runners.
0: I, two years ago, when you sent me a program and I was doing a lot of deadlifts, in a couple of months I was able to deadlift almost three hundred pounds. Oh wow! So that's not. I think I still have seven hundred more to to go. In Do you know energy. what the record is? Yeah. No.
1: Eleven eighty five. Wow. And if you look at, His, if it's a tire deadlift, it's 1210, but 1185, so almost 1200 pounds. Wow. Yeah.
0: But those guys are huge.
1: They're probably 400, 300 pounds of muscle. <laughs> exactly. and, yeah. Yeah. But I don't
0: know if it's been on the back of my mind and I think it will be very interesting to try. Yeah. It.
1: Cool. Or just see how heavy you can get for each of them and, and yeah. shoot for that. But And then it's going to benefit your running. Yeah. totally Totally will.
0: Uh, cool. My running week. I haven't been running that much since Chicago. I've done only seven runs in three weeks. Okay. Uh, I started with 25 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. But Then, then after another 50-minute run, I started feeling my Achilles a lot. So I've been just managing it and trying to be ready for Chicago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Chicago, no. New York. You're uh, like, which,
1: which marathon am yeah. I doing next? Where <laughs> am I?
0: Uh, but I did a cookie run. I, yeah, I didn't care about it. Uh, you know, I was re- I'm reading a book uh, by an author called Ryan Holiday. I've read a couple of his books. One is what it, do hard thing do hard things. I think it is.
1: There's one do hard things by Steve Magnus. Oh, no,
0: that, not that one. Not that one, right? No. Then I have it. I have it in my iPad here. Uh, well, the one I'm reading right now, it's Discipline Is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. And it's all about uh, temperance and just seizing the day. Um, and I I was reading on Friday the book and one of the, it was like, you never know what tomorrow bringing, right? Mm-hmm. So I say, okay, I can, the obstacle is the way. I'm sorry. I was searching for the, <laughs> for the book. The obstacle is the way. Uh, but I was like, okay, I can take care of myself and be ready for New York. But what about if I twist my ankle playing with my kid uh, on Sunday? Mm-hmm. What if I get sick? What if I can't make it to the New York Marathon because it, there's a snowstorm? So I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be ready to go to New York or be be there. So I'm just going to seize the day and run a fast 5K. Mm-hmm. Um, I was impressed with my time, but it's really... You need to pay attention to the numbers because it, it may seem that everything is going well.
1: Yeah. You did. What was your time?
0: 1745. 17,
1: 1745. Okay. And but, that was your goal, right?
0: Yeah. 17
1: something. Yeah. Okay.
0: So sub 28, sub, so, sub 18. Okay. But you can say, oh, that's awesome. He's training for a marathon and he did a sub 18 minute 5K. So marathon training helps you to become a faster 5K runner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And th- it's not true <laughs> because. One is one, almost one minute lower than my fastest 5K. No, a minute at five seconds slower than my fastest. My fastest 5K was just like 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. And four weeks ago, I did a 5K time trial in 1705. So if you compare to those numbers, I, I'm not getting faster at a 5K.
1: But you're recovering from Chicago still. Because that was, only, what Chicago, three weeks ago? Three weeks ago. Yeah, so you're still like majorly recovering probably from that.
0: But it's 40 seconds slower than four weeks away, mm-hmm. four, see, four weeks ago. So it's, I don't know, it, it's very hard to, to make sense of it. But my, what I'm trying to, what I'm making of it is like, no, marathon doesn't make you a faster 5K rush.
1: <laughs> I don't know, because I feel like you can't test your 5K this close to having done a marathon. Because when you did it a month ago, yeah. you were peaking, you're on fresh legs, you're about to taper, like everything's firing really well. And now you just ran your fastest ever marathon. And I think your legs are probably still recovering from that.
0: But even though, even in that 5K, I was 25 seconds slower than my PR yeah. 11 months ago.
1: Yeah. And I would blame... I would say that's because you weren't able to do speed yeah. all summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't
0: expecting to PR. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting to have a sub 16 or close to 17 minutes in, in this race. But I just want to make sure people... Understand those nuances. That okay. Oh, he's training for a marathon and he's doing um, 1745 mm-hmm. 5k. Yes, but it's lower than mine. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that say said hi at the at the at the cookie room. It was awesome. A lot of people approached me. Oh, I listen to the podcast. Even want well, I I can't remember his name, he was at the cookie room and he's doing New York.
1: Oh, cool. So, yeah. So I'm trying to think who that might have been.
0: Uh, he he told me he was your patient.
1: I know. Oh, I, okay. I know, yeah, who that you know who that is. Yeah, yeah, I know uh, who that is. Well, thank
0: you for, for cool. approaching. Uh, and it, because it was an out-and-back run, uh, I saw like at least 25 people on the way back say, hi, hey, Diego. Hi, 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 hi. So it was awesome. I really appreciate everyone saying hi and approaching me and just listening to it.
1: That's the only good part of an out-and-back run. I hate that 180-degree turn. I find that like, yeah. I just lose momentum, but then everybody, you see all these people and yeah. it's like, this is nice. It was really fun. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, my focus on the, over the past three weeks has been to recover as much as I can and to be ready for New York. And I think I'm as ready as I
1: mm-hmm. can. How does your Achilles feel today after the race or yesterday?
0: It, it's feeling, it's it, it's funny because it's feeling better than a slow 10K. I did a 7K on, I can't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was Thursday morning, seven kilometers. And the day after, I was really sore, so mm-hmm. Friday morning. So
1: it wasn't as bad as that? No. Did you try, so I had texted you that tip to try to get off your midfoot and do yeah. a little bit of a heel. Did yeah. you try that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 was my, I was mindful about that, that. Yeah. I don't need to be as efficient right now, so I'm just going to run, and I try to land a little, not heel striking, but.
1: Yeah, just a little bit more yeah. like a gentle on the back. Yeah. It does change, like midfoot loads your Achilles way more than heel striking
0: and one of the main reasons I wanted to do the 5K is to assess my fitness for the New York Marathon. Mm-hmm. If, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know I'm a huge fan of doing these time trials to know your fitness. So I have a ballpark because I, I didn't knew or had an idea how to approach New York. So I'm just going to do the same thing I did for Chicago. I did a, a 5K time trial a week before, took a time, plugged it into the two calculator. It gave me like, 245 at that point, and I end up doing 247. If I block this time, it gives me 249. So I'm going to shoot for 250 and I mm-hmm. will probably run around 255.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> as long as it's under three hours, you're going to be, yes. that's your goal is to do all the majors under three, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: So that's, cool. that's that. Yeah. I um, love that. Let's go to the episode. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to divide this in two parts. One. You are a happy back-of-the-pack runner.
1: Yeah. You're content there. You don't care to You don't want to run
0: faster. You just want to keep running. You just want to hang out with your friends, to go to group runs, to run marathons, to get your medals. So we have some tips for you.
1: Yeah. And that's totally okay because some people are just happy to run. Running is running. You're still getting your cardio. You're meeting friends. Don't feel like if you're a back-of-the-pack runner that you have to change that. No. But if you do.
0: Yes. (laughs) We have some tips for you yeah okay (laughs) so the first thing we need to focus on is what your goals be really mindful and be really realistic about your running goals because if you say you're a happy back of the pack runner but you are not really a happy back of the pack runner your thoughts and your training and how you approach things are not going to be aligned Mm -hmm. right you're going to be saying one thing but you're going to be trying trying to train for something else. And that's where I think a lot of people get uh, stressed or depressed or anxious because they're saying one thing and they're train, training for one thing, but they really want another thing. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. Um, so be really realistic about it. If you want to stay there, stay there. If you want to improve, start improving. And also be realistic about how much you can improve over time, right? Because if you're a six-hour marathon runner, And you want to be a three-hour marathon runner, I totally believe it's possible, but it's not going to be, you're not going to be able to do it in 18 weeks. It's going to take a a few years. So just improve little by little and get to your goal whenever that goal comes. Mm -hmm. Anything to say about that?
1: No, that makes sense. Just be realistic and think long-term, like we say a million times on this podcast. Patience, long-term thinking, consistency. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay, you're realistic about your goals and you say, I'm a happy back of the pack runner. I don't care if I want if I do a marathon in 6 hours, a half marathon in 3, and 10k in an hour and a half, whatever. I'm just happy to be there, to be exercising, just to be, be running. to be part of the running community. Yeah. What's the number one tip? Well, no, what. what? Let's start with the tips.
1: I think with regards to the actual training, depending on what you're training for, you have to be careful if you're following time or distance. Yes. So if you're going by, say you have a training program and it's all done up in minutes, and you're training for a half marathon, and it goes up to two hours. So you're, you're building your long runs, building your long runs, and you run two hours as the longest. But you're someone who's going to take three hours to do your half marathon. You're, you're not going to be adequately trained for that, so you're going to get up to two hours and then you've had another hour to do on race day. OK? I feel like that's going to leave people. In a little bit of trouble likewise if you're someone who follows distance and you're doing a marathon plan and it says 35k run is like what it builds up to and that run takes you five six hours yeah it's okay for the marathon to take you five six hours because when you're done the marathon you've got all the time in the world to recover you don't need to run for a couple weeks you can sleep refuel swim but you you, it's like chill time when you do a five hour run in the middle, middle of your training on a Sunday, you're supposed to run again maybe Tuesday yeah. and do speed again Thursday and another long run the next weekend. So you're not going to recover from that five-hour effort. So that's when I'll usually get runners to do almost training like they're doing an ultra, if, if we're talking about the marathon or even the half marathon, where I'll get them to do back-to-back long runs. Okay. So they might do a two-hour, or say if it's a marathon, I might get them to do like a two-and-a-half-hour run on a Saturday and then run an hour and a half on the Sunday. Yeah, that's really smart. It's Less likely to beat them up as much as going for five hours because they get to sleep in between. They they prioritize protein in the meal following the first run, carb load, all that stuff again for the next run. So there's just recovery time. So they're not as beat up by it.
0: Yeah. I think it's harder to train if you are slow than fast. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, definitely. Like if they Because you need
0: to take way more things into consideration, like yes. fueling, carb loading, hydration. You need to carry more things. If yeah. you're running. For four or five hours, you need to carry way more things or you need to consume way more food or calories than uh, if you are running faster.
1: I think it was the trapline marathon back home in Labrador, which is a Boston qualifier. I can't remember the guy's name, but he finished. He was like 250 something and he finished first. And he stayed and watched all the runners cross the finish line. This was years ago. And I remember he was interviewed by CBC Radio. And they were like, asked him why he did that. Like, weren't you tired? Did not you want to go home and shower and all that stuff, or not home because he didn't live there? But anyway, <laughs> um, he was like, "I was only running for two like two hours fifty minutes. These people were running for six and a half hours. I could never do that." Yeah. So he was staying to like cheer them on. So it's it's a bit of a different beast. And I think you, like you said, you really have to think about fluid and nutrition because I know I can do a a three-and-a-half-hour marathon with gels and Gatorade. But I was going to go for a six-hour run. If that starts at 7 o'clock in the morning, you're going to finish after lunchtime. Mm -hmm. I probably want some actual food. Yeah. Like, not just... I'd be so sick of sweets. So that's when you might need to think of, like, people take pretzels or... You know things that are light on the stomach, quick carbs, but you might actually want to have a little. You need way more calories yeah, than you, like you doing a two forty seven. We
0: can, we we go back to training the, training the training are and the race more than a like a ultra run,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Because yeah. ultra runners eat real food during their during their runs. I remember when I was doing the eleven marathons, uh, the last few marathons took me five six hours, and I was getting a half of pizza in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You need, you need like, imagine (laughs) just eating goose for six hours. Yeah,
0: no, it's crazy. Your
1: body, it's okay for three, four hours, but I think beyond that, you start to need some actual, actual food. And I think that's
0: tip number one, right? Yeah. If you are there for more than three or four hours, take actual food, even at the marathon, right? Mm -hmm. If you you probably have have friends or family that can help you and pass you uh, pretzels. Uh, And if you train your gut enough, I think I could have a donut.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you have tried in in practice to make sure it doesn't like ruin your yeah, stomach. Yeah. But yeah, I think too, with with the fluid and the nutrition, you have to get used to taking it with you because I've spoken, some of my patients are six, six and a half hour marathoners and I've asked them what it's like and they will really be careful what races they choose to do Yeah. because some of them have cutoff times and some of them open the roads back up. So you've got an hour and a half of running left and you're absolutely dead and exhausted and all the aid stations are closed. Yep. So if you don't have fluid and nutrition with you, that could be a DNF because you just can't keep going. So I think you really, it's hard to bring all the gels and fluid with you for six hours, but that's when, if you've got friends and family and someone who could like meet you on the course and re- replenish your stuff, that would probably be yeah really important.
0: Yeah. I think that's tip number two, be really mindful about the races you choose, mm-hmm. that have this six-hour marathon running plus mentality. Yeah. I know, for example, there's this uh, marathon in Hawaii. Uh, we've talked about this super old lady that it's running marathons at six, seven, now eight hours. So that marathon in specific, it's really prone <laughs> or really pro. Finishing a marathon in yeah, eight hours.
1: They're very welcoming exactly. to whatever time uh-huh. it takes you. Yeah. Uh,
0: and even in 10Ks or 5Ks, some, some 5Ks at 45 minutes boop, open the roads because it's, re- mm-hmm. it's really, ex- people need to understand that it's really expensive to close roads. Yeah. Uh, in 2021, I interviewed the race director of the Toronto Wirefront Marathon, and he told me that just closing the streets for the Toronto Wirefront Marathon cost half a million dollars.
1: Wow. And you, they have to take a lot of slack from the residential, like the residents, people who live there, and especially if they're not runners. So yeah. Imagine like coming out of your house, and you can't leave with your car, or you can, but you really can't get anywhere because. So my sister just moved into a new house in Toronto, and she was she was texting me laughing after the Toronto Waterfront Marathon because they were trapped in their house. They didn't realize it was on
0: on the car on
1: the marathon running route. But well, now I want to go do that one because then they could cheer me on from like their house. <laughs>
0: you can have pizza but, uh, there <laughs> Yeah, I can have pizza halfway through.
1: Um, but yeah, like she's, they're just kind of stuck there. Yeah. So you have to be mindful. You can't trap people like that for eight hours.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people complaining that ah, I don't care. I don't know why they don't can't do an eight-hour eight hour marathon course or mm-hmm. closing. It's really expensive. And the resident part is also really yeah. important.
1: But often you just, they'll let you keep running. They won't like shoo you off the course, usually. Make sure you find a marathon that doesn't do that. But then you just have to stick to the sidewalk and then bring your own, yeah. have your own fuel.
0: And yeah. um, even, that's really been in 5Ks. And it, they also gave you, give you permits for that, right? Okay, you're going to be able to close the road for one hour for uh-huh. my 5K. And that's it. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. That's my permit. So I can't make you, I can't allow you to keep running or I, I'm not responsible for you. But mm-hmm. saying that there are races that if they're inside a marathon inside a hive marathon you're gonna have the course for yourself for two yeah. hours maybe and you're you can do your ten k in two hours, so be yeah. very mindful about that. take
1: the races that i one of my one of my patients I held an event um, it was an epilepsy fundraiser, and I was promoting it, and we had all this food and stuff at the at the finish and I had never thought of it before. She asked me this was a couple of years ago. She said, could you tuck some of the food away because me and my friends are are quite slow and it's going to take us a really long time to do the 10K route. And she said she can't count how many times they've done an event, paid to do the event, and they come back and everything's tidied up and gone. Yeah. Or it's just gone because everybody ate everything that was there. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought about that before. So I took some of it, put it in my car, and then when I saw them coming, I raced out and put it on the table. That's really cool. And so they finished and they are like, oh, this is awesome. And they appreciated it, but it was something I'd never thought of.
0: Yeah, so... Be mindful about that. Yeah. And the last one about if you are happy back of the pack runner. Yes. Yeah.
1: The the chafing and blisters. So if you were out for a six-hour marathon or a three-hour half marathon and your friend does a half marathon in an hour 45, your risk of chafing and blisters is a lot higher. Yeah. So I think on your long runs and even during the race, if you if you have a race where you're allowed to take a vest because some you're not allowed.
0: Like Chicago, yeah. Um,
1: and New York, I think yeah. I've heard is the same thing. But you probably want to take some stuff with you to manage any blisters or uh, chafing that occurs. Because that, like, you can be so trained for your race, but a bad blister or a chaf yeah, spot ruin can ruin the whole thing. Yeah.
0: And I think that's another important thing. We didn't uh, thought about it before, but uh, are you allowed to bring your own food and, and a hydration vest, mm-hmm. right? Big races like Chicago or New York doesn't allow it. I think it's more related to security. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so which
1: is funny because so you, you go through the but I, if you like you were running and you, your family could have handed you a vest, yeah, in the race and then you put it on and go, yeah, um, but anyway, it's tricky,
0: so yeah, just be mindful about that. So, those mm-hmm. are our tips. If you what, what can people do about chafing, 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 chafing.
1: yeah, I use and blisters, I use body glide, yeah, me too, it's like a little deodorant stick, yeah. um. I for women, I think the most common chafing spots are like between the thighs, like thighs rubbing, and then maybe around like where the sports bra is. For men, I nipples get really n- bad chafed, right? Uh, and thighs as well. Thighs, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, just kind of knowing, and you'll experience that in your long runs. What areas get really chafed up? But I think again, if you're a six hour marathoner, you won't have done a six hour long run in one go. So that's why it's like, if you're like, oh, I was fine in my long runs that were three hours. Yeah. You should probably bring a little uh, chafe stick. And for blisters, usually it's like appropriate fitting shoes. They're not too tight. Wearing like a good quality running sock, like a smart wool sock. Um, and then like toenails need to be cut appropriately, obviously. But then you can get blister band-aids. So if you do feel a blister coming on or even like K-tape. K-tape, yeah. You can K-tape or do a blister band-aid and stick you know, that in there. I think,
0: as The more you run, you're, you start to know where you can blister, so mm-hmm. you prevent that with k-tape. Yeah. Um, and also train being with your hydration vest. I remember doing the, those consecutive marathons. I, I I wasn't I was used to running for two hours with my hydration vest, maybe three tops. Yeah. Right. After four hours, I was so sick of it. Yeah. I was like, this thing is so heavy. And like I started, yeah, chaffing around. They can
1: chafe you up pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, a lot of things to be mindful or aware. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, like, when I trained for that 50K Ultra, the, the biggest run I did, I did 35 on Saturday and 20 on Sunday. Okay. It was back-to-back days. And this has never happened to me ever. But between my big toe and my second toe started to blister. Wow. And it was, like, <laughs> agony. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. I didn't have K-tape, I didn't have blister stuff, but I had Blistex and I was like, I wonder if Blistex would help. What's that? Uh, like lip stuff, like chapstick type stuff. Okay. And I took my shoe and my sock off and it was the tube that you stick your finger in. And I like got a bunch of it on my finger and put it between my toes and then finished the run and I was fine. Okay. But if I hadn't had that that day, yeah, I at least I, you I don't that. think I would have finished the 20K. It was like pretty bad. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So a lot of things to to consider.
1: Yeah. Bring a first issue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: matches enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah whistle <laughs> yeah uh, okay now if you are right now a back of the pack runner and you want to improve mm-hmm. right what can you do i want to say i th- I don't i think i mentioned it before but my first 10k i did one hour and six minutes so i was middle to back of the pack runner. Yeah. <laughs> my first 10k yeah i see
1: say like yeah, middle to back of the pack. Not back of the pack, but you were like, not where you are now. But not in the middle. Not yeah. even
0: in the middle. Yeah, la- right? the latter half, probably. Yeah, I remember, I think it was 30,000 people that wrote. Yeah. Uh, and I finished in 20,000, something like
1: that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, my point here is that we have some experience on improving and becoming fatter. Yeah. And the number one thing is something I lo- I learned from, you, learned from you, and I love that concept, that it's training age. What's training age?
1: Training age is the amount of time, the, the number of years you've been running. And I think runners just forget it. Like they expect to pick up running and just be good at it. But if you are like 14 and you pick up soccer, you're not going to be amazing at soccer right away. It's going to take a few years. And then the longer you play, the better you get. Running is the exact same. So if you are someone that, you know, your friend has been running for 10, 15 years and they're 45, and you're 45 and you pick it up and you start running. And two years in, you're like super annoyed and you, you can't keep up with your friend and they're way faster. You're 45, but your training age is two. Yeah. Like you're a toddler when it comes to <laughs> running. You know nothing. yet. Well, not nothing, but. So very little. <laughs> very little. So you've got a lot to learn and you've got a lot to practice. So your training age, and I would even say your training age at the distance you're choosing to do. So That's I have like true. some big marathon goals. I've only done four. Yeah. One of them I wouldn't even count because it was, it was it went really well bad and Emily was only 11 months old so I probably I don't know if I even should have yeah. been running it but like I've only done four marathons my marathon training age I'm not that experienced yeah so yeah
0: yeah I I, I love that concept when I learn it from you and um, on the other it it can sound uh, oh I'm just too, I'm I'm starting at 40 and it's gonna take a lot of time but it doesn't matter. if you start later in life like 40 for example. Uh, mm-hmm. You, at 50 you're going to be 10 years old yeah. running wise and you still have a lot of potential in 50 it's impressive how many people I'm seeing right now at 50, 51, 55 just crushing PR after yeah. PR after PR running 245 marathons uh, or faster uh, running 17 minutes 5k mm-hmm. you still have a lot of time that's my point Yeah, Even age you is start. just a
1: number as Reg the world record holder in the 5k yeah. always said
0: and the other thing is like if you start later, you have less niggles. You your body is not destroyed. I'm I don't, know I, I, know, I don't know if that's the right word after years or years or years of running. So you are ten years old. Your body is yeah younger in that in that regards. So that's that's the number one thing. Learn, be mindful about that. Okay. If you start just a few years ago, don't expect to be a super fast runner. Quali- qualifying to Boston. Uh, under 30 minutes, 5Ks, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just give it time and be super consistent. Consistency. Over and over and over and over.
1: So if someone's listening to this and they've been running for like 20 years and so training age is not their issue, issue. What, what do you think is the number one thing or like your biggest tip you would give someone that they should focus on? Is there one thing or is there too many?
0: I think, that I think there are too many, but there's one thing for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. I always like to tell people, pick your lowest hanging fruit. There's always, you are as, as strong as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. So if you've never strength trained, maybe that's your weakest link.
1: Especially if you're over the age of 40. Yes. Yeah, that will be your weakest link. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never done
0: it, it will be. Yeah. Uh, if you're a very low mileage runner because mm-hmm. you, you were really happy at 5Ks, so if you've been improving and you're plateauing at, at 20 minutes 5K, for example, or 25 minutes 5K, mm-hmm. oh, I, I've been training and training and training and I can't seem to get faster. Maybe your lowest hanging fruit is just increase your mileage. Yeah,
1: your because people make low. the
0: mistake sometimes that becoming a fast fast five k runner is, is only about speed, but mileage plays a huge deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of college athletes, like fifteen minutes, fourteen minutes, five k runners, and they run 100 miles a hundred miles away.
1: Yeah,
0: right. I'm not saying everyone can do that, but the more you run, the better you're gonna yeah. you're gonna become. Maybe it's nutrition. I know, for example, for me, when I started doing triathlons, my weakest link was nutrition, for sure, one hundred percent. I had no idea what what I was doing. I was. I, I, I even the first uh, sports dietitian I I worked with. She gave. She just changed the timing of my meals. Mm-hmm. My and my my snacks were, rice crispy bars, chips, junk food, but the timing improve. And just by improving my timing, I start to lose weight. I start to improve my body composition and I start to improve. Then I start to eat healthier and healthier and healthier. And I start to improve more and more and more and more. Uh, But yeah, nutrition at one point was for sure my weight to clean. Yeah. Maybe is the mental aspect of it.
1: That's I think that's honestly, that's a big one. And it depends how much you want to improve because some people it starts to hurt and they slow down Yeah, and they're like oh this hurts I don't want to hurt and that's okay Um, but others like it starts to hurt and they lean into that and they know they're not going to get their goals unless it hurts so sometimes being a faster runner and getting your goals it's just a matter of like how much are you You how much pain are you okay putting up with yeah Um, I remember I swam all growing up doing endurance like competitive swimming. So I was into endurance sports. And then I started competitively rowing. And my sister and I made the Canada Games team for rowing. And there was a bunch of us that had tried out. And I I really don't think we were the best rowers out of the group that tried out from Labrador. But I think both of us were swimmers. And we learned from the endurance endurance sport of swimming how to hurt. Okay. And how to push into it. So I think we didn't have the best form. We did we weren't the strongest, but we like hurt in the 2000 meter test we had to do like 9 out of 10 pain towards the end that's really cool and i think some of the people that we were trying out with i i guess i don't know this for sure but you know if 4 or 5 out of 10 pain starts and you're like oh this hurts and you slow down yeah you might be fitter and faster and stronger but if i'm willing to put up with more pain i'm going to i'm going to have a better time
0: yeah yeah i love it and there's this i think one of the best triathletes in the world He's not considered one because he was like, like an asshole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is why Kipchoge, like Kipchoge is the GOAT, but also because he's just yeah. a wonderful human. I mean,
0: I really liked him. Yeah. But for example, he never went to the Olympics because he was only always in a feud with the Australian Olympic Committee. So they never sent, If he was the best at his time. Chris McCormack or Macca. A lot of people know it by that. He was the, he okay. won Ironman, championships, he won the world triathlon championship, but he's never on that part because politics, yeah. pretty much. Uh, but he always said, like, uh, embrace the suck is his motto. And the triathlete that is more willing to endure pain is going to win. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's true in, in every case. Yeah. And other part of the mental aspect, in my opinion, is to be positive about it. Yeah, Because you can be training and training and training and do everything right. But if you are on the starting line of your race and you start to have negative thoughts, oh, no, it's going to be too hard. I'm not sure. And you start to look around and you see, oh, that girl is faster than me. Oh, that guy is faster than me. Oh, uh, you're not going to perform.
1: Comparing to others, it's something that you need to just shut that down.
0: Another one thing mentally that really helped me was... There was, a, there was one point when I was doing duathlons that I needed to get on the podium of my age group to qualify for the championships. And I finished fourth place like four times.
1: Just, so just one, one placing away from making it.
0: Yes. And it was very hard, tiring, painful, etc. But there was one race that the guy that always beat me, and I was never able to beat him, At one point during the second part of the run, because you run your bike and then you run again, during the second Mm -hmm. run, I I was with him, at that point, and I look at him and he was sweating like crazy and he was huffing and puffing, and at that point I realized he's also struggling, Mm -hmm. right? We always assume that the right person beside us is fitter than us, that it's not struggling, that it's a jog, that it's easy, and ninety nine percent of the time that's not true. If you are a fast runner, if you are in a thirty minute Pace group, probably most of them are going to be suffering as much as you. So once you realize that it's, that's part of what you just mentioned is like, okay, am I, am I, am I willing to suffer more than them or than my yeah. PR or those two or three seconds that I'm off my, my record? You, you are not on feet two or three seconds, right? Mm-hmm. If you are able to run at 29, 59, 10K or 5K and you end up in 302, it's not because you didn't train enough. It's not because you weren't fit enough. It's because you didn't push, enough. You know, yeah. in the opinion.
1: With just a couple of seconds for sure. Yeah. And I think, like, I've talked to some people and they're like, I just don't want to, running isn't about that for me. They don't want to hurt. And that's where you're okay at the back of the pack and you, you leave it alone. Because some runners don't enjoy pushing into this pain of racing and they just want to have fun when they race and chat with their friends and that's okay. But this advice we're giving right now is for the people, if you want to get better. Yeah. It's probably going to need to hurt a little bit, yeah, race yeah. day or a lot,
0: for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. Um, the other thing is to improve your max speed.
1: Yeah, I feel like max speed and running form you can almost like lump it together a little bit because I think when you're working on your max speed, it helps your running form as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'll I'll say to people like if you if you up your max speed, then your easy run feels easier, so you can go a little bit quicker in your five k effort feels so 30 minute 5k that's a 6 minute pace right if you do strides like 20 to 30 second you know 90 to 95% efforts and then you recover and you go again and you're able to do them at a 545 that's not quick enough to make a 6 minute per kilometer 5k feel manageable yep. right so the quicker the quicker you make your max speed over those 20 30 seconds maybe you can get it to 5 minute per kilometer and you get really, you get better and better at that. And then the six minute per kilometer just feels a little bit easier and more manageable. And your form looks better at it as well. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a percentage of your max speed, everything, right? Yeah. You can go as fast on your marathon, your half marathon, your 5k as a percentage of your max speed. Mm-hmm. If your max speed is not, if you improve, improve your max speed, naturally your times are going to improve. Obviously you, you need to train. And we talked about in the last episode, a specific training for a specific races. It's not the same thing to train for a 5K and to train for a marathon. But if you improve your overall max speed, your, all your times are going to improve.
1: Yeah. I had this conversation with a runner a couple of weeks ago. They really, really want to get under one hour for a 10K and they've been struggling for a few years to do it. Okay. Their 5K time is like 29 minutes. It's like it's you really, need to make that faster. Yeah. Because if you put twenty nine minute into the calculators, it's not a sub. No. One hour. No, 10K. there's no way. But if you make that five k quicker, and if you struggle to make that five k quicker, maybe you train for a mile race yeah. and do some max effort speed work, and then get the five k down, and then come back and try the ten. Yeah, and the it's cool thing is that
0: sometimes if you if I tell people you need to train for a mile, it's like what the f- are you saying a mile? Yeah. But it translates into all of your races if you want to become a better marathon runner, a better five k runner, ten k or whatever. If you improve your mile pace, you're gonna one, you're gonna get a boost of confidence. Yeah. Because sometimes if you see, oh, I'm being able to run a six minute mile. Well, I I, I didn't th- thought that wa- I didn't think that was possible. And then your boost, confidence boost, and your mental attitude goes. Yeah. Higher. You improve.
1: The other part of that with running form, I think, if I had to pick the lowest hanging fruit for the running form, I find a lot of back of the pack runners, their cadence is really low. Yeah. So they're running maybe a seven minute per kilometer, eight minute per kilometer, and their cadence is down in the 160s. And that's something that is super simple to address and it'll make you run more efficiently and economically. So then the same effort feels easier so then you can start going a little bit quicker. Yep. So that's a really low hanging fruit. Like if your cadence is for 99% of the population, if it's under 170, it's too low. Okay. Um, if someone's really tall and running really slow, then 170 might look a little silly, but for most people, 170 is minimum. So that's, and then trying to land, the cadence goes hand in hand with trying to land with your foot beneath your hips. So if you're over striding, you're yeah, You're not the talking about on. heel
0: striding or midfoot striding, it's yeah. landing below your hips. Yeah. yeah. Like
1: it's, if you land on your heel, but it's beneath your hips, it's okay. But if you reach out and land way out in front of your hips, you're just putting the brakes on every step. So you're working your butt off to get quicker, but your body's liter- literally slowing you down by landing on your heels. Yep.
0: Yeah, uh, and with all these new watches, it's really easy to know your cadence. Yeah, right? most of them, even the most, the, I think the Garmin Two Thirty Five, that is one of the cheapest ones. Yeah, you can. Test.
1: They still get your cadence, and yeah. they're accurate. They're they're pretty good.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, we've we've talked a little about uh, race specific training, and I think you can go back to last episode with our nine biggest learnings from the one year of the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about that. So race-specific training is, is very important. If you are trying to improve your 5K time, but you are still doing 30K long runs, that doesn't... Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, or like if, mile if repeat.
0: If you don't have the the mileage, that, that may not be... Because you need to yeah. be really well-rested and recover for your speed sessions, Yeah, right? Because there are your key workouts for a 5K. And um, you should be
1: doing, like, some speed stuff at faster than 5K pace. Yeah. So if you're out there doing a bunch of mile repeats or, like, two kilometers or tempos, sometimes it needs to just be shorter and quicker.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, if you are trying running for a marathon and you are going too hard on your speed sessions and you are not recovered for your long run, mm-hmm. you are compromising your marathon training.
1: Yeah. Or if you're just focusing on, like, 400, 400 and 800 repeats. Yep. Probably need some mile repeats, some tempos. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it's, you can improve. Sometimes these, these kind of discussions are hard because if you train, you're going to improve,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Uh, but where do you want to improve? That's, that's the key answer because you can, you can be training for a marathon and do 400 repeats, or you can be training for a 5k and do 30k long runs and you're going to become a better runner. But if you're maximizing your time for that specific goal you have,
1: that's mm-hmm. the question. Yeah.
0: And that goes into the last.
1: Yeah, this is, I think this could be a big thing for a lot of the back of the pack runners, becoming a better athlete.
0: I think it's also very true for front of the pack runners.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's something like, I I see it a lot when I refer people to the strength coaches here at the clinic. And they're getting them to test their strength and their balance and their lateral movements and their agility. And when Mm -hmm. I first started working here, they hadn't seen a whole lot of runners up until then. And then I mostly see runners, so I started referring a lot of runners to them. And some of the strength coaches would be like, a lot of runners have really shitty balance. Or like, a lot of runners can't move laterally at all. So I think that's something I really notice with the the back-of-the-pack runners, like their ability to just do simple things like balance on one leg or do lateral hops or, or ladder drills sideways. Like, they just don't have that quick. So just being a better athlete, like taking the time to just not run yeah over and over and over again like just become a more well-rounded athlete and it will help
0: yeah yeah i, I yeah. totally agree with that when i started to focus in uh december january in doing different things uh i improved a lot mm-hmm. uh, i remember there's this awesome gym membership in the u.s in the big cities that you pay like a hundred bucks a month and you get credits and you can go to a bunch of different gyms uh, and so instead instead of just going to one gym, you can go. To so you're a... not just
1: trapped at like good exactly. Life.
0: So I was at one point. We were we spent like two months in Boston, and I bought those one of those memberships. Man, I had so much fun. I went to spinning classes, rowing classes, cross CrossFit classes, yeah. boxing classes, uh, <laughs> yoga hot yeah. yoga classes, everything in two months. And at the end of the day, I wasn't running that much. I wasn't used to that much cold at that time yeah i didn't have the proper gear we didn't know how to run t- to, in the winter. To, to, to run in winter uh and i end up doing it was my last race before the pandemic it was no january 1st 2020 and i end up doing like an 18 minute 5k and i wasn't running that much and i was mm-hmm. like oh man this being an overall stronger athlete really really works so that's just find different mm-hmm. things to to improve on
1: and now's the time to do it because most people other than those doing new york most people are done the races yeah. so now if you're not racing again until march or april now's the time to become a better athlete and start yeah. trying new things
0: you know we've talked about scott henry he's a super fast runner here in ottawa and jr told me that he was a top country cross-country skier yeah before becoming a
1: same I'm with an
0: awesome runner.
1: Liam Walk has a one eleven half marathon time. He was the trail running coach we interviewed. Was that last week? Two weeks ago? I can't. Something two weeks ago, I think. Like um, phenomenal cross country skier. Yeah, and cyclist. So it's just I think sometimes we get pigeonholed with. Yeah. So hard because the more you run, the better you're going to be. But then it's important to not forget the other things. And I think you can get so I get overwhelmed. Like even this, like thinking about what I'm going to focus on in the off season. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. But it comes back to one of your top tips, which is pick the lowest hanging fruit. If you don't have time to work on everything we just suggested, and you shouldn't, because if you do everything we just suggested, you're probably going to get injured if you suddenly start like strength world, training, yeah. work on max speed, race specific stuff, doing running form, you're just going to be overwhelmed by it all. Yeah. But this is one of the things when a patient comes in and I start talking to them about why they're injured and what their goals are. I had someone in last week, he runs three days a week. And two of those three runs are like tempo interval runs. Okay. So not that's eighty twenty 20 at all, yeah. right? So for him, my answer for him to get faster is not to do more speed work. He should actually do less and but run more. Yeah. And then someone who's in their 50s who has high volume, lots of speed work, training age is super high, but doesn't really, just as body weight strength training. If I add some weights and challenge them, that's probably the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah if somebody gets like 1800 calories a day and they try to limit their carbs because they think it's bad for their gut and that's they're going to gain weight, that's their lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. So you have to just, and if you can't figure it out, this is when a coach or a healthcare professional can like see the big picture and identify something that you don't even know you're missing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I love this episode. <laughs> no, it's really good. It's really interesting. It And just listen to it, listening to it helps you be aware of things. Uh, I think the goal... The goal part is really important. What are your goals and work, to, work towards them? And it's very easy to get caught up in social media mm-hmm. and seeing this and that and this workout and I want to try this exercise. But it, does they re, do they really align with your goals or no? Yeah. I think that's the number one question you need to, you need to do. The, um, there's this book I want to recommend. Let me see if I can find it really fast because it's all about saying no.
1: Saying no to, to things. I've been, my mom listens to this podcast a lot and she's, she tells me all the time that I need to, I, I like to say yes to everything. Okay. And then sometimes afterwards I'm like, oh my God, what about, like the cookie run. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm going to do the cookie run. I signed up for that two months ago, but then with Chicago and France and coming back and my body was just like, no. So it was like, okay, it sucks that I'm not going to go, but I'm going to have to say no to the cookie run this morning.
0: And that's, uh, that was really smart, I think, for your yeah. overall goal of uh, Boston, right? Yeah. I can't find it right now. I'm going to make a note here and try to find it and recommend it to you on the next, mm-hmm. on the next episode. I think it's called The One Thing. Okay. By Who the hell wrote? Gary Keller. Okay. Uh, the One Thing. Uh, it, it talks about focusing on one thing at a time. There's one thing to improve your life or yeah. you're running, or your work, life, or whatever. There's one thing you need to focus. On. And when you say no to all the other things, uh, it's easier to focus on that one. Yeah. Right? So uh, good luck to everyone running Chicago, if you are listening. Yeah.
1: Me New and York? Chicago. Uh, I can't. We can. Some people I, I just can't. got accepted for Chicago I, 2024. I we can't can forget can I come about
0: that. <laughs> uh, good luck if you are running New York. Yeah. I know we'll be I, tracking you. I know at least two people that are running yeah. New York. Um, and I guess I saw a lot of Chicago T-shirts and jackets at the cooker.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah.
0: So I and New York is way bigger and yeah. closer to Ottawa. So I'm guessing a lot of Ottawa folks folks are running. Yeah. New York. So good luck to to you. Um, and see you next week.
1: Bye. Good luck, Diego. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify and visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.